Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact. So jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Bob Cordaro Show podcast, WILK News Radio. Well, that was uh, NBC News reporting the opening of this Iraq invasion of Kuwait took most observers by surprise. Again, I tell you, intelligence, <laughs> our intelligence community, once again, they missed another one. And we're joined by Rick Bigelow. He takes us from his normal bailiwick of Asian uh, military combat to here in the Middle East. Rick Bigelow, welcome, and thank you for being with us. Glad to be with you, Bob. Well, give us a little background on Iraq and all of that leading up to this uh, attack. Okay, Um uh, modern, what we know as Iraq uh, today, was formed back in the 1920s uh, when the British formed the nation after uh, the demise of the Ottoman Empire uh, following World War One. The Ottomans had uh, had put in with the Germans during World War One, and and uh, therefore uh, their empire uh, declined and uh, fractured after World War One, and the British kind of took over. Uh, Iraq, uh, and, and they formed the nation of Iraq. Iraq gained its independence from the British in 1932, and a British-backed monarchy was formed. Uh, the Ba'ath Party overthrew the monarchy in 1953. And, and just for historical context, this was about the same time that the CIA and the British MI6 overthrew a popularly elected Iranian president and installed the Shah. So there was a lot going on uh, in the Middle East at that point in time. And it became important because uh, it had been in the early part of the 20th century, uh, the British found huge petroleum reserves in Iran. And in a few years later, they found huge petroleum reserves in Saudi Arabia and and what was then uh, Iraq. So all of a sudden, it became very important uh, what was going on in the Middle East and who was uh, controlling the oil. So Saddam Hussein took over the Ba'ath Party uh, in Iraq in about 1968. And, uh, of course, in January of 1979, the Shah of Iran was overthrown. The Ayatollah Khomeini returns from exile, assumes power, 
and Iran becomes an Islamic Republic. And later that year, in November of 1979, Iranian students took over the U.S. Embassy in Tehran and held them for some 400 days until the uh, hostages uh, were uh, released on January 20th, 1981, which was the day that uh, Reagan took office. So in 1980, Iraq attacked Iran in a war that lasted eight years. Uh, The war ended in a stalemate. Both sides claim victory. There are estimated loss of 250,000 troops on each side. It is well established right now that Saddam Hussein uh, and the Iraqi military used chemical weapons and biological weapons uh, during that war against the Iranians. Um, wars are expensive, and during this war, uh, Saudi Arabia and Kuwait supported Iraq and, of course, we get into the, uh, the different um, Muslim uh, uh, contingents. The, the Iranians were primarily Shiite Muslim. The Iraqis, uh, Saudi Arabia and Kuwait were the Sunni Muslims, and uh, they, they didn't get along very well together. But anyway, Saudi Arabia and Kuwait supported Iraq with money and uh, thereby saving Iraq from bankruptcy uh, because... Uh, Syria, which was an ally of Iran, shut down Iraqi oil flowing through its pipelines to the Mediterranean and Europe and uh, squeezed Iraq financially. And also the U.S. and other Western nations supported Iraq. And this was sort of a situation of uh, the lesser of two evils. Uh, We were not well disposed to Iran at the time. Figured Iraq was less of a threat to uh, oil supply throughout the world, and so we supported Iraq financially. Also at this time, we were very concerned about what Saddam Hussein was doing in the, in the nuclear weapons arena, and in, in uh, June of 1981, Israel attacked and destroyed uh, an Iraqi reactor that was uh, under construction south of Baghdad. Uh, so there, it, it was a, a cauldron of uh, intrigue and, and war and uh, destruction uh, all throughout the 70s and the 80s. Uh, Iran retaliated for supporting Iraq by attacking Kuwaiti super tankers that were moving oil from Kuwait to the west and to the far east. In 1987, the U.S., Reflagged the Kuwaiti tankers as U.S. flag tankers and provided protection with naval and air assets. Uh, in uh, May 17th of 1987, the USS Stark was patrolling off the coast of Saudi Arabia uh, near the border of uh, the Iran-Iraq war exclusion boundary, and it was attacked by two Exocet missiles fired from an Iraqi military jet. Uh, 37 U.S. sailors were killed and 20 more were injured. And just for historical context, the uh, USS Stark was named after Admiral Harold Stark of Wilkes-Barre, who had been chief of naval operations at the time of the Pearl Harbor attack. So on October 16th, Iran fired missiles at a reflagged Kuwaiti tanker that we were escorting. A couple days later, U.S. Navy warships and aircraft destroy the oil platforms. Uh, during the Iran-Iraq war, 
Iran placed a lot of anti-ship mines in international waters in the Persian Gulf. On April 14, 1988, a U.S. Navy ship, the Samuel Roberts, was conducting convoy escorting operations in the Persian Gulf and struck one of these mines. Uh, the crew managed to save the ship without loss of life. U.S. retaliated later, two days later, uh, by attacking Iranian naval and shore-based targets. We sank one Iranian frigate, one gunboat, three speedboats, and destroyed several oil platforms. After that, Iran figured it was time to, uh, to negotiate a ceasefire in the Iran-Iraq war, and that's what happened. So after the war ended, Saudi Arabia and Kuwait reduced and eventually ended their financial support of Iraq. Iraq was in, in dire straits financially. They owed uh, $14 billion and couldn't repay it because their oil revenues just weren't, uh, couldn't make up for that. At the very least, Iraq wanted uh, Kuwait and Saudi Arabia to cut back on oil production so that the world price of oil would increase and Iraq would get more money. But the OPEC nations agreed on uh, production quotas, reduced production quotas. But uh, as often happens, the OPEC nations didn't live up to these production reduction quotas. So we get into 1990. And uh, in 1990, Iraq warns fellow OPEC members that failing to live up to all their production quotas is a virtual act of war, and it furthermore accuses Kuwait of stealing Iraq's oil. Hmm. You know, it's, 20- it's funny, Rick Bigelow. One of the, and, it, and I say this in reference to China all the time. When you have an autocrat and a fail or a dictator, and you have a failing economy in that autocrat or or uh, dictator's country you have much more danger of external action by that country. Absolutely. And uh, I think that's something to uh, talk to, uh, to John about on your Monday musings, because, I mean, the, uh, the analogies with uh, what uh, Saddam Hussein was doing in, in 1980 or 1990 uh, sure look a lot like what, uh, what China could be doing today. Yeah. You know, Harry Truman said, the only thing new in the world is the history you don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so true. And there's something to that. So 1990 so, rolling on, Iraq basically says, hey, they're not kidding. Like, right. we're going to do something. Exactly. So towards the end of July in 1990, Iraq starts moving 30,000 troops to the Kuwaiti border. And we saw this. I mean, the U.S. intelligence saw this, and, uh, you know, there were a lot of discussions in the State Department and with President uh, George H.W. Bush about what was going on. And a couple days later, we we placed our forces in the Middle East on high alert. So then we come down to July 25th of 1990, and all of a sudden Saddam Hussein uh, summoned the U.S. ambassador to Iraq to a rare meeting. The U.S. ambassador was uh, April Glaspie, who was a well-respected expert on Middle East and Iran, Arab uh, relations, and so on and so forth. But he did this very quickly, and she didn't have time to, uh, apparently didn't have time to confer with Washington and the Bush administration 
on exactly what uh, she should tell him. Uh, she did ask him about uh, how come you're moving troops, didn't get an answer about that. And then she declared, and this is probably what Washington had told her sometime earlier, that uh, we don't have an opinion on on uh, Kuwait and Iraq, and we have no opinion on Arab and Iranian uh, conflicts, so on and so forth. Doesn't this, and again, as history continues to repeat itself, this sounds a lot like the Korean, the beginning of the Korean conflict, a, a, an inappropriately uh, phrased statement, and not unlike Biden before the uh, Ukrainian invasion, that a small incursion won't bother us. <laughs> Bob, you're absolutely right. It, it, it really is important what signals are sent to, uh, especially, like you say, to autocratic uh, leadership. And, uh, you know, in 1950, Dean Acheson, who was the Secretary of State, uh, didn't say that Korea was inside the U.S. Uh, sphere of influence. And, and we, you know, we would protect the Philippines and Taiwan, but he was silent on Korea. So after that, Kim Il-sung got permission from Stalin to attack South Korea. Yep. So, so we, we get to... Uh, Late in July in um, 1990, uh, after uh, Ambassador Glaspie said, uh, you know, we really don't want to uh, interfere in Arab-Iranian conflicts or Arab-Arab conflicts and so on. And we, uh, we Congress uh, passed economic sanctions against Iraq. And it's interesting, at this point in time, Congress was overwhelmingly Democrat. They had a 10-seat majority in the Senate, and over 100, about 100 seats in the House. And the fact that uh, the Bush administration was able to get uh, economic sanctions against Iraq was uh, masterful on his part. So we get to August 2nd, and Iraq invades Kuwait, quickly overran the nation, and annexed it as a, a province of Iraq. And then we imposed the economic sanctions, and a total embargo on Iraq. Uh, the U.S. Security Council met and passed Resolution 660, calling for Iraq to withdraw from Kuwait immediately. Now we get to August 3rd. It becomes very concerning. Oh, one thing I want to say, as soon as uh, Iraq took over Kuwait, Saddam Hussein controlled 25% of the world's oil, uh, which was of concern. So August 3rd, Iraqi troops start moving close to the Saudi border, threatening an attack on Saudi Arabia. Uh, August 6th, Bush secretly orders U.S. troops to Saudi Arabia. Uh, on the 7th, he declares uh, Saudi Arabia is under imminent threat of invasion and tells Americans to prepare for a lengthy commitment to Saudi Arabia. And the next day, the U.K., Brits say they will send forces to defend Saudi Arabia. So it starts, August. and and we're prepared. I, Rick Bigelow, I want to break up because not, August 9th <laughs> is, are you available next Wednesday to, to, to uh, st start discussing our involvement, or, or Thursday? We don't have to be the exact date. Sure. We, we can do it uh, August 9th. Yeah. And also, um, you know, I think we want to talk about the Manhattan Project sometime uh, next week, too, because... 
that uh, first weekend or second week in August, I guess it was, is when the atomic bombs uh, were dropped on Japan. Well, we'll talk yeah. off air, and uh, you you let me know when you want to do it, and it's done. Uh, I, I I love this stuff. Uh, so important that we get the background for how this came about. The our entire desert shield operation, this this big conflagration in the Middle East that led had so many unintended consequences subsequently. Uh, I appreciate getting the background from you. I really do. Great. Uh, happy to do it. And, you know, we, we had several hundred thousand Americans there within a couple months. Yeah. So <laughs> it was really something. I remember it so well. Th- Rick Bigelow, thank you very much. Uh, we'll, we remember this August 2nd date for that invasion. And uh, we'll talk about the United States' response starting next week, at uh, hopefully on Wednesday the 9th. Very good. All right. Rick Bigelow, uh, more than just Asian conflict, he's, he, he's got it all. Thank you. You're welcome. All right. We'll take this break, and we'll be back. Neil Diamond went from number 13 to number 7 with his iconic hit, Sweet Caroline, this date, 1969. And in the year 2000, and a much younger Bob Cadaro was there, Republicans nominated Texas Governor George W. Bush to lead their 2000 presidential ticket at the party's convention in Philadelphia. Well... <laughs> It was, by the way, it was quite a headache because now I'm minority commissioner and I ended up a lot of people in, in Lackawanna County. So a lot of people wanted tickets to get into the convention and it was, you know, obviously tons of Pennsylvania people. And I ended up chasing uh, like at six in the morning, one morning, I'm chasing Governor Ridge. He's running with a couple state policemen, and I'm chasing after him to grab him to get some tickets for people. So it was quite a headache, but it was a great pleasure being there. It was exciting. It was enthusiastic. Um, On the elevator with Arnold Schwarzenegger, uh, hanging around with, you know, some incredible reporters and writers. Uh, Yeah, it was a good week, great week uh, in Philadelphia. Now, uh, but he, you know, he turned out to be not that good of a president. Okay, not uh, let me say it straight out: he wasn't a good president. Good guy, without doubt. Smart guy, without doubt. But I had opportunity to meet him maybe a dozen times. the The thing is this: as harshly as I judge him as president, not only for the second. Iraqi war, but for the uh, beginning of the Afghanistan conflict, but also increasing spending on education by the federal government. Big boners, all three. And on top of that, well, those are enough. Those are enough. And... The the amazing thing, though, and this is what we've got to remember, especially put it in the context of Trump if he's the nominee. 
the alternative is so much worse. I mean, God forbid the country if Al Gore had ever been near president the presidency. John Kerry was his opponent in 2004. Would I vote for George W. Bush again without a second's hesitation, even knowing that he was going to be a poor president because he wasn't going to be a nightmare? And I hope enough people get that when they look at Joe Biden. Nightmare. Disgrace. Sickening. All that. So, in any event. All right, we got to take a break. Bob Kadar with you. W-I-L-K. We're going to come back. We'll tell you the weather, and then we'll roll on with all of this. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Storm Tracker 16 forecast from meteorologist Joe Snedeker. Today, sunny and less humid, high of 78. Tonight, fair, low of 58. Thursday, a mix of sun and clouds, high of 82. So the great weather continues. By the way, yesterday afternoon, I was going to do this after the 11 o'clock news, but why not now? I go up to my friend Jamie Morano. He's the former mayor of Oliphant, and he he was um, also director of buildings and grounds for me when I was Lackawanna County Commissioner. So our buddies, uh, Jimmy Caputo's there. Cousin Frank Cadaro took me up there. Jerry Bartlett's there. Pat Salmon's there. We just had a, a Jamie's wife, Debbie's there. We had a great time. And uh, our friend Dave Clem gives, you know, provides the, the, the hoagies and the pizza. And they it's DK's Corner up there in Oliphant. It was fabulous. The regular pizza, the you know, sort of old Ford style pizza, the steak and cheese pizza, uh, the hoagies, you know, it was great. It was really great. So yeah, <laughs> and and Dave, I know you listen. So I wanted to thank you for how good your pizza was yesterday, DK's, DK's Corner, and and what a great day under the vines. Jamie has this uh, trellis which has grapevines. And you would think it would be buggy or it's just so completely comfortable. You think you're in Italy. I mean, it was great. It really was. So a great afternoon yesterday uh, in, in Oliphant with the former mayor of Oliphant. By the way, somebody uh, texted in 
Bob, President Bush was a uniparty oligarchy pick, the same thing with Romney and McCain, and we're fed up with these rhinos. I'll, I'll tell you this, I can't disagree with you. He, he wasn't, he, you know, he ended up trying, like, listen, you can't make a deal with Ted Kennedy. You can't compromise with these lunatics. Where do you compromise with lunacy? I say it often. Do you, like, do you, do you say, well, okay, we'll only let three million illegal aliens in the country. Okay, we'll only let some violent felons out without bail. Okay, we'll only allow seven soldiers to die unnecessarily in Afghanistan. Where where do you go? Like, there's no room for compromise. Not anymore. People may have thought so then... And you always got to give them credit for their times, the times in which they served. There still seem to be a rational group of Democrats during the time George Bush was president, George W. That is no longer the case. They're insane. Their policies are insane and destructive and anti-American. And they have to be defeated completely. There is no compromise in 2023 or 2024 or for the foreseeable future with these sick, twisted people. Oh, so we'll only let 12-year-olds instead of 8-year-olds get mutilated because they've got some gender dysphoria, which they actually can't have because they're not. Uh, They're not sexually mature yet. Do you see why we cannot compromise? Do you see why this becomes so important? Everything's on the line. And this indictment of Trump proves it. This indictment of Trump proves it. And Ray from Mountaintop's on the line to talk about the Trump indictment. How are you, Ray? Robert, I'm good. Investigate the riots we like to investigate. We'll, we'll only the destruction of the cities that we want. We'll only, Robert, I've been reading the Federalist Papers. I think it's a must-read for every American citizen. Yes. And in the papers... And they're not, and they're not taught in our high schools, which is a disgrace. Well, they can't be. They, they can't be taught in our high schools because they would countermand everything that's currently being taught in our high schools. Yeah. And it would make them to be clearly wise. But one of the things, in our Second Amendment, we have the right to bear arms. And within that, it's a hollow tube that emits a projectile. That technology hasn't changed. Has it been refined? Greatly. Is there things that are clearly dangerous? There are. But the basics of a gun are the same as they were 250 years ago. Our founding fathers never envisioned a dictatorial bureaucracy like the one we currently have. No. no. Unelected, unelected, unaccountable. I'm going to quibble with you there, Ray. They, they felt that the Constitution was strong enough to be followed, 
and that the American leadership would always follow it because it was a binding document. The Constitution is not currently being followed, certainly not in spirit and often not in letter either. I agree with that because they were predicated on, on the on the concept of we could certainly have a divergence of opinion, but it was predicated upon the loyal opposition. Yeah, we have dis, we have disloyal leadership now. Never mind disloyal opposition. But my my point is is that within our bureaucracy, which is now out of control, self sustaining, and is endeavoring to exterminate Trump, Trump as a means towards continuing their existence, the reality is, if you step back, they recruit their own. They fill their ranks at the most leftist institutions of higher learning yep. with the youngest people that have been the most completely radicalized. They put them in positions of authority and set them free to dominate us in every way possible. That is a description of the Department of Justice. There, and, the most you, radical- and, and Ray, we're, we're running out of time, but uh, <laughs> there, there's the statement that I think we even discussed before. I would rather face 100 millionaires than one bureaucrat. Amen. And we, every American needs to quake in their boots about the tyranny that's being put upon us. The, the anaconda doesn't crush its victim. It simply wraps its coils around it and it forces it to no longer be able to breathe. Yeah. The bones aren't broken. They just can't breathe anymore. <laughs> and that's what's happening to us. Well, we're, I, I, com- I always compare it to the frog in, boil- in, in water that's slowly set to boil. <laughs> Amen. He's, he's dead and never knows it. Hey, Amen. Ray, always a pleasure. Thank you. This indictment's a disgrace and, and we place. know it. All right, man. We'll take this break and be back. That's Elvis. This date, 1970, hit a number one hit in the, or I'm sorry, the, yeah, the number one hit in the UK with The Wonder of You. So Elvis could go, you can make it in the UK. That's a big deal as number one. Yeah, the, 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 the whole Trump fiasco. Guys, and I cannot disagree with you on this uniparty thing you're bringing up. It, 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 we're, we're in such dangerous territory because of the establishment. They are now clearly wrong and wrong for our country. And there are establishment Republicans who are just as much the enemy as the left-wing lunatics that own the Democrat Party. But I, again, I got, you got to be fair. I don't think there was a perception that that was the case back then, early 2000s. It is now full-blown and undeniable what a danger the left is, what a danger the growth of government is, what a danger the power of government is. They're an existential threat to this country and our individual liberties, and we have to vote accordingly. I think we got a great slate of candidates beyond Donald Trump, though. We'll be back. We're back. 
That's Billy Preston. This date, August 2nd, 1972, the number one hit. Will it go round in circles? Honoring today six Luzerne Countians killed in Operation Tidal Wave, also called Black Sunday, depicted in uh, yesterday's Citizen's Voice. An article by Bob Kalinowski. Thomas Shepard, Wilkesbury. James Toth, Wilkesbury. Lewis Case, Hazelton. Claude Eifer, Huntington Mills. Donald Jenkins, Plains Township. They went on this mission. They volunteered for it. And since it was a low flight Daytime raid, it was high probability that there be major casualties. Well, these six men were among those casualties. And interestingly and sadly, only the body of heirs was returned. His remains were found in a Romanian grave, marked unknown, positively identified with dental records. He's in St. Vincent Cemetery in Plymouth. I'm sorry, in Larksville. He was from Plymouth. Yeah, this is uh, this is real bravery. This is real. I mean, this is defending the country. This is the these are the people. We are to honor when we vote. Somebody said, how did you miss the Thurman Munson plane crash this date in 79? I thought it was August 3rd. I thought that happened on August 3rd. Johnny, check that out. I I, I think the, uh, I thought the Munson, because I remember it was my brother Mike's birthday. Munson was his favorite, favorite player. He was devastated. Somebody said, Trump, a better president than George Bush, Obama, and Biden put together. Oh, yes, without a doubt. That doesn't mean round number two will be as good. It also doesn't mean that he can win. He was so clearly better as a candidate for president than Joe Biden, and yet he lost. And I don't care what means he lost by he lost. So that that's all. I, I it's it's important to note that he is not the president of the United States today. I'm asking Murph uh, about the third Munson crash. I again, I thought it was the third, but if if I, we'll stand corrected and find it. If that's necessary, we will see. All right, let's last. We got a minute left here. Let's go to Andrew. How are you, Andrew? Yeah, it was terrible, the um, indictment. And uh, it was Jane um, Greta. Well, last night on news, 
Karen Sustrin. She has a liberal arm, which is good to have both sides, Janie Weinthorpe. And um, they still lie about <laughs> January 6th. She actually said five police officers were trampled to death, which is a bold-faced lie. Why, why, yeah, <laughs> so, why, you know, this stuff gets into the left-wing uh, history, and they just keep repeating it without shame. You're right, and they don't get called. Even Greta didn't call her on it. But the next guest pointed out that it wasn't true. But it's beyond, at this point, not true. It's a lie. They even said that a police officer was bludgeoned to death with a, uh, you know, a, a fire extinguisher. So they keep spreading falsehoods. And um want to say you're right. You had mentioned with, uh, you know, they'll try to use the abortion issue and lie about that. But also they used uh, student loans, Biden, in the midterm, you know, we'll, we'll forgive your student loan debt, even which though, he knew yeah, even wasn't going to happen. Even though he knew unconstitutional, yep. yeah. No, and he's, he's going to do it again. Keep fighting, Bob. And you're right, you can't compromise with the uh, far left, so you're right. And uh, you're the uh, sanity out there, the voice of reason and sanity. Well, thank you, my friend. Always a pleasure. Thank you, Andrew. Let's go to the news. It's time for Brian Hughes and the news. WYLK News Radio. This is the Bob Cordaro Show Podcast. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 